All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit howlerpod.com and rate and review us on your podcast listening app. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we'll cut off your leg and we won't give you a new one. Mm. And now, howlerpod. Oh. Chop them if they're taller, stomp them if they're smaller, mauler, brawler, legacy hauler, smoke that crows, earn this hauler, mauler, brawler, legacy hauler. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howlerpod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like an uh, ostrich today. <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. Last week on Howler Pod, we covered chapters 12 through 17 of Dark Age. What are we doing today, Aaron? Dark Age Part 2, chapters 18 to 24. We get to link up with a couple of our favorite people. Ephraim. And Mustang. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, when it, this part started, I was like, ooh, I love Mustang. I love this actor's voice. It's all great. But then when the Ephraim chapter started, I was like, Fuck yes! <laughs> I did the exact same I thing. I missed Ephraim! <laughs> I didn't even realize how much I missed him. I didn't even realize he was going to be part of these chapters. And I was just reading along. I figured it was all going to be like all Mustang or something like that. And then as soon as Ephraim came on, I was like, yes! Yeah! <laughs> Air punch. <laughs> so good to see him again. Okay, let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Part two, Croft. <laughs> Chapter 18, Virginia, Sovereign. Virginia is addressing the Republic. She announces the victory that Darrow and his men just accomplished, but scolds the Republic for turning their back on Mercury and, in doing so, aiding Atalantia's attack. She implores them to put their faith back into Darrow and the free legions and to beseech their senators to send ships and aid to Mercury's fight. Secretly, Mustang has already sent supplies, radiation medicine, machines of war, and a message of hope to her husband. Chapter 19, Virginia Stiletto. Holiday and Virginia are in her office talking about Selenius's Stiletto, a.k.a. finding the narrow path between anarchy and tyranny. Mustang implies that she wants Holiday to take over for one of the senators who is retiring. Dancer calls... They talk some politics. Dancer doesn't think they should send aid to the Free Legions, and Artie considers them lost. Dancer reminds Virginia that if he dies, the Vox Populi will revolt. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 20, Virginia, Politicos. 
Daxo is having a meeting with Publius, the fucker, <laughs> I mean, the incorruptible, quote unquote, <laughs> in his office, and Virginia joins them. Publius, who had thought the Free Legions lost previously, admits that Darrow's unlikely victory, along with Virginia's speech, have both inspired him to change his mind. However, he will not agree to the vote if the Silvers are going to bleed the Republic dry. And he talks some shit on Quicksilver, which is not cool, bro. Because <laughs> Quick is totally the reason we even have a Red Rising. Virginia implies that she knows how to get the Silver votes without losing money to them. After Publius leaves, Daxo and Virginia then make their way to address the optimate party and to call for the vote. Chapter 21, Ephraim. Mahler, brawler, legacy, holler. Ephraim wakes to find himself in the wrecked shuttle, pinned under the hull of the ship with a bone sticking out of his arm and his right leg trapped. He's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> He's having a bad day. This is like worse than your worst Remember Monday. when you were thought that he was dead and you're just like, how did he survive? Yeah, I was like, he's much. definitely dead. Yeah. He's pretty much dead. Yeah. Uh, he can't lift himself due to his multiple injuries. Men enter the ship to remove the children and Ephraim, but cut his leg off at the hip and get him out. He regains consciousness on a medical table. They've repaired his arm, given him a new leg, and sewed up the hole in his chest that Gorgo gave him. Pax comes to visit Ephraim. Ephraim asks for some Z, but Pax won't give him any. He shows Ephraim that he has Trigg's ring and tells him that he can have it back when he stops acting like a crazy addict. What gives you the right? <laughs> Pretty sure the only accent I can do is British. Okay. And not even well. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 22, Ephraim, unshorn. Ephraim wakes up in bed in an expansive suite. He gets up and opens the door of Doris and sees the ruins of the Martian city of Olympia. He looks up and sees that he's at Eagle Rest, the former citadel of the Bolognas. As he tries to figure out why he is here and what the hell is going on, he sees an obsidian man in his room with him. He is a shaman of the ice, and he is looking at bones in a fire. Totally normal thing to do. He's clearly sane <laughs> and definitely not crazy. Definitely not on drugs. Not on drugs. <laughs> Very sober. <laughs> He tells Ephraim that Valdir is coming, and Ephraim looks to run. The shaman tells him not to, but he's Ephraim, so he does it anyways, and it's epic. <laughs> Wearing only a robe and some slippers, he runs to the window and grabs a vine and starts to swing and climb down, just like George of the Jungle <laughs> slash Tarzan. Why did I start with George of the Jungle? <laughs> Obviously, that's Tarzan. So Ephraim... Uh, He's climbing down the snowy cliffs outside his room, and then he almost kills himself. He even does a backflip, and he thinks he's gotten away until Valdir shows up with Sefi's griffin, God Eater. It's like what I'm going to name my firstborn. <laughs> God Eater. It's Valdir. A it's definitely a statement name. Statement name. Mm -hmm. Valdir, a.k.a. the Obsidian Cassius, shoots Ephraim with a tack net and straps him to God Eater, who takes off back up the mountain to Eagle's Rest. Ephraim is pissed. The last place he wants to die is Mars. <laughs> and Valdir is the titular unshorn. Titular. 
Titular. Chapter 23, Ephraim, Queen. Hold on to your hats, because it's a long one. Valdir sets Ephraim down on the gravel, and once back on the ground, he finds out that the obsidian shaman in his room was Osgard, the Osgard, who's like a crazy known shaman of the ice, apparently. Oz, F, and Val all head up to the stone. Oh, that's cute. You made, <laughs> you made little nicknames for them all. Yep. Oz, F, and Val, you know, just the guys hanging out. <laughs> they head up to the stone training grounds of Eagle's Nest. Uh, there they find Sefi watching over some training sessions. Electra is in the first group of trainees, and she is a terror taking people out. Pax is in the second, and he basically just like refuses to fight. But really, he's just tricking his opponents into stopping. He then takes them all out with clinical precision and makes a statement to Sefi. He explains that what she is doing here on Mars will not work and will only result in both the Republic's destruction and the Obsidian's. He challenges her and tells her to remember her honor. He then drops the mic and walks off. Ephraim is led down to Sefi. They talk about Ephraim and his injuries and addiction to Zolodone. Uh, we see that Sefi is joined by her white, a logos named Xenophon, who is uh, serving as an advisor for her. He's tricky. He's or they. Fucking weirdo, yeah. They, they are, are tricky. They are a weirdo. Let's see. Sefi then leads uh, Ephraim away from the training ground to some hangars and shows Ephraim what's going on here in Olympia. The obsidians are being taught skills by all manner of different colors, space navigation from blues, coding from greens, medicine from yellows, and so on. Ephraim puts all the puzzle pieces together and sees that Sefi is planning to break the obsidians away from the Republic. Sefi tells him she is founding a kingdom of her own, Volkland. She then offers Ephraim a job. She wants him to train her Skoogie assassins so that one day they will be on the same level as the Howlers of the Gorgons. I like saying it Gorgons. I don't know why. It's probably Gorgons. But I like No, I think they say Gorgons. Yeah, they say Gorgons. <laughs> <laughs> I like Gorgons. <laughs> Gor- Gorgons? Skoogie? The Skoogie and the Gorgons and the Howlers. If Sefi wants a kingdom, she's going to have to play dirty. Ephraim refuses at first, but Sefi then makes an offer he can't refuse. He can reunite with Volga and Lyria. She tells him that Victra has stolen them away from the Citadel on Luna uh, by employing Figment and that they are on their way to Mars. That seals the deal. Ephraim does a little more haggling and then agrees to train the Skoogie. Chapter 24, Ephraim, Skoogie, Skoogie. (laughs) (laughs) Ephraim stands in front of his 200 Skoogie assassin trainees and gives them his resume. They are skeptical. He gives a rousing speech about what he plans to teach them and then asks if they have any questions. He is faced with blank stares. That's when Osgard steps in and tells them only half the Skoogie speak common. Okay, Ben, now that we have uh, completed our chapter summaries... What's the theme for these chapters? Today's theme is political machinations. The schemes are amiss. Schemes, plots. Sneaks. (laughs) 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 Gotta get those sneaks. (laughs) There's a lot of political maneuvering going on. Games? Yes, that that works too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so we, as always, have pulled some quotes from today's chapters 
that illustrate today's theme of political machinations. I, could, I didn't know how to say it, so I Googled it, and it was going, machinations, <laughs> machinations. We're so smart, we use words that we don't even know how to pronounce. Well, you used the <laughs> word. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Anyways, now we're going to jump into our chapter-by-chapter uh, chapter theme insert. What's up first, Ben? Uh, we have Mustang here. She's back. We get yes, our first he's back. Mustang chapters. Back again. And this is when she's talking about Selenius's stiletto. Did he wear high heels? I bet he looked good in those high heels. I bet he did. I bet he could like take one off and stab you through the eye with it. He probably had a very fierce, fierce walk, you know, like the model oh, yeah. walk. Like Jonathan Van Ness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but ending in stabbing you in the eye. <laughs> that would be perfect. Uh, so Mustang is talking to our old friend Holiday. Trader question mark? Shut up. Stop <laughs> it. Not every time. Uh, she says, have you heard of Selenius's stiletto? Holiday answers. After the conquest of Earth, the powerful houses engaged in a land grab. Selenius was faced with a dilemma. To his left, anarchy. To his right, tyranny. Instead, he found the narrow path between... Barely wide enough for the edge of the stiletto. And how will we do it? Well, first of all, we've got smaller feet. (laughs) Yes, so this is um, kind of just explaining the situation that Mustang is trying to navigate right now. She's trying to get Darrow help on Mercury, and she is pushing for this uh, monumental vote to give the Sovereign some powers, basically, so that she can kind of direct the military and tell them what to do so that everything doesn't have to go through the Senate. Tensions are very high at this point. Darrow's just had his victory on Mercury. So we've got, like, Reds in the streets, like, praising his name, and then... But also uh, the Vox Populi. Right. And then also... Being little dicks. Right. People on Luna are scared because they don't want... The military to go away because that's their protection so that's kind of the path that she is trying to uh, get to or get through during these chapters a lot of political maneuvering in machinations machinations <laughs> <laughs> political games are afoot and then uh next up uh, we've got mustang again she's got all the political finesse even though it doesn't work out for her. So this is when Mustang is talking to Dancer, and uh, she's basically laying out for him why they need to help Mercury and why he shouldn't keep with the Vox Populi because it's not going well, and they're not doing the right thing, and they're kind of like cornering themselves and not taking any action. So she says to Dancer, our system isn't working as it should. The division of military command is a flaw we saw coming, yet kicked down the lane because we thought we were all going the same direction. Irresponsible of us, but understandable. Facts. Our enemy can respond with greater urgency and secrecy than we can, and not all senators prize prosecution of war over the continued habitation of their togas. I need to be able to run this war efficiently. So clearly she's very frustrated. Mm -hmm. She feels like locked down on all sides from 
all the political power that she gave away so that it wasn't a dictatorship, but now she can't do what she needs to do to win the war. So they're all cornering each other, basically. Yep, and Dancer responds to that with Virginia, the Senate was intended to be inconvenient. A check on despotism. You know, as well as I, whatever the executive gets, it keeps forever. Mustang is kind of responding with that, but like she's like, it's me dancer it's me she's like i'm the smartest person <laughs> in the solar system and nobody is listening to me and frankly we should just get on board at this point i don't know why we're not just following everything mustang says it's because she's a gold and it's because of her dad because her dad was a piece of shit and now people think that you know the her brother was a piece of shit the too. ties the family ties are strong so they see her as this gold basically knew octavia and they don't see her as the like amazing person that we know her to be <laughs> and then dancer as well doesn't want golds in charge and he also doesn't care about any place other than mars right so his goals are very short-sighted and close to home and they don't include all people mm-hmm and that conversation kind of ends interestingly because Dar- our dancer says, if I'm assassinated, the Vox will retaliate. He has that whole thing with like... Where like he, chicken bone or a fish bone? Yeah, he kind of like calls Mustang out for possibly trying to assassinate him. And she's like, dude, I would never do that. And she's like, I'm too smart. I know what would happen. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, if somebody does... And yeah. And mm. he, he <laughs> She's thinking like... Good thing he doesn't know Severo's here, but we're all thinking, too bad nobody knows <laughs> that the fucking Abominadrius <laughs> is yeah. about to just kill everybody. I can't believe how freaking naive I was reading this book the first time. I was just like, oh yeah, I mean, that makes sense that the Vox would retaliate if he does get assassinated, but clearly it's not going to happen. It's Dancer. Yeah. And <laughs> how did they all, we'll, we'll get to that, but I'm like, how'd they all get poisoned? It's got to be pretty easy. The Jello? Yeah, I'm probably, sure it was some tainted Jello. Jello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering what they all are doing. Well, they had like a Senate luncheon probably prior to. That's a horrible the idea. Big vote. Who planned that? <laughs> Clearly, Abominadrius planned that. Okay, so this is some foreshadowing mm-hmm. where dancers saying what will happen if he dies and guess what he dies and that exact thing <laughs> happens and mustang gets her cheeks punctured multiple times <laughs> and it hurts my teeth to think about it <laughs> and then our next quote is kind of about the changing landscape of politics in the republic and in the solar system right now uh, Mustang says, years ago, I predicted the natural evolution away from color tribalism to planetary nationalism. We stand to lose moderate Lunis who fear invasion. Dancer stands to lose most Martians, possibly all Reds, who often vote against me, but have rediscovered their zealotry for my husband after his victory. As for Earth, it'll be up for grabs. But after all the shifting and shaking, the vote will come down to copper and obsidian, who have declared solidarity and plan to vote as blocks. Win one, it's a knife fight. Win both, it's a victory. Lose any of our foundation, silver, gray, white, and it's... Bedlam! (laughs) Our favorite word for Dark Age. I'm glad that not only Darrow can have Bedlam, I'm glad that... 
Virginia also gets some bedlam. Everybody gets a little bedlam in this book. <laughs> I bet when they come together, <laughs> it's bedlam in bed. <laughs> I was trying to make a sex joke. It, it didn't go well. Anyways, basically Mustang's laying it out for us very clearly, even for those of us who don't pay attention. <laughs> Basically, everything is about to go to hell. Yeah, we can see like she's trying to maneuver. She needs to get one of these copper or obsidian to join their side so that she can get these military powers and save Darrow. Hopefully later on, we see that she obviously has kind of a different play in mind where she wants to bring Dancer into her side. So that, that's kind of interesting. But I felt I felt this was really interesting moment where we get this. Uh, change from color tribalism to like people planetarism yeah planetary nationalism or whatever so that's a interesting shift hey in which which planet are you going for uh, we're earth we're earthlings nah i'm a mars kid you're a martian yeah fuck yeah <laughs> i've been a martian since middle school when i decided that i was sailor mars <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I forgot you were saying. And I Mars. frequently tr like <laughs> tried to use my firepower just to make sure. No, I'm. I'm. Anyways, uh, I'm a Martian. You suck. I'm gonna burn you with my firepower. We've got you know more gravity, so I'm stronger. And then when I go to Mars, I'm like way faster than you. No, you fly up into the air and float away because <laughs> you don't know how to walk. Not on used Mars. to the gravity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes another. <laughs> Dumb earther flying around. We got to go catch him. Anyways. Yeah, I'm voting for Mars. I'm with Dancer. <laughs> so you're voting against Darrow? No, I'm voting for Cassius. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking this whole time when they're talking about all these politics and how they have to save Darrow and stuff. I'm like, if only she knew Cassius was on his way. Mm, they could true. like work something out. Do you think Cassia sent her, like, slid into her DMs? Like, <laughs> just checking, girl. I think about you a lot. You know, she could do something at this time. Like, the Telemontises are the kind of the ones that hook Cassius up at some point. So it's like, Mustang's got to be aware of it. Maybe the knowledge is leaking out of the holes in her cheeks. But I cheeks. think they tell her, though, right? They're like, we got we They got tell her once she escapes through that secret slide. Right. Which, I got to get one of those. <laughs> So I don't Secret think she would, slides are the best. Yeah, I don't think she's aware at this point. Okay, okay. Yeah. So moving on to the snake himself. This is political machinations at their finest. Mm, mm -hmm. This is Publius, the quote-unquote honorable, incorruptible, mm -hmm. with the dumbest name. He's talking to Daxo at this point in his little like aquarium room. Daxo <laughs> and Mustang's there too. Mustang's there too. Mm -hmm. uh, Publius says, my prior vocation taught me to be detailed in assessment and concise in judgment. The Vox fear momentary pain for a long-term gain. We must save the lesions. But silvers know how desperate the vote is. They will bleed you dry. I cannot allow this republic to become another plutocracy. I will not. Mustang says, so you blame them for ransoming their votes, yet you've come to do the same to me. You've learned well. Mm -hmm. I hate that they like <laughs> like him, kind of. They like respect him, and I'm like, he's a fucking backstabbing piece of shit, and he's not even good at it. Well, they're buttering him up right now because they need him. That's true. They're yeah. buttering him up. Yeah. So basically, Publius claims that he changed his mind because 
of Darrow's victory, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sure that Abominadrius is pulling his puppet strings here in Lilith. Yeah, he's like maneuvering for his own party for the coppers at this point he wants to he know he knows the silvers are going to be maneuvering for basically like whatever they want for their votes they're going to use they're going to be selling their votes taxes and money he doesn't want to like he says bleed the republic dry right and he hates quicksilver yeah (laughs) yeah because he's such a big capitalist and um publius kind of falls more towards like the socialist type dancer type uh of politics and so right now he's making his own political maneuvering. He's, you know, basically doing the same thing that the Silver's doing, kind of s- like putting his votes out there. Like, what are you going to give me for this? He's plotting it on his own here. So that's kind of what Dar- or what Mustang is commenting about. It's like, oh, you're leveling up. You're not just the incorruptible anymore. So they're going to have to change his name. Yeah, <laughs> this is a little bit of a a sign that maybe something was up with Publius. I just hate, like, Pierce just throws this in her face because <laughs> if when you reread this book, he says that he's, like, perfect and unswaying in his... Yeah, when you read that description of him in Iron Gold, I think it is. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, this was planned. Yeah, I should have known from the beginning that that guy was going to be the one that fucked it up. <laughs> right. And this this is actually part of your reasoning, not to bring it up, but for Holiday... Because in this book, they keep talking about how she's so loyal. Exactly. I don't want to go like way into <laughs> conspiracy corner here, but anytime Holiday is on page, there's like three sentences about how loyal she is. I'm she sorry. Is. She is a bulldog, and bulldogs are loyal. I'm suspicious. But it is a good point that Pierce does like to throw it in her face, but in a way that we don't see. And then when you go back, you're like, damn it, he told me the whole time. I know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Publius is working his greasy little fingers mm-hmm. all through the politics in this chapter. Right. And then our next quote is Mustang standing in front of all the like young politicos. The optimate part. Yeah, the optimates that's working for Daxo and her, basically. And they're um, excited about Darrow's victory and they're reinvigorated. They're about to do some canvassing, go knock on some doors. Some <laughs> we just need $10 more dollars from each of you <laughs> to reach our monthly goal. <laughs> A lot of clipboards, data pads probably, actually. But maybe somebody's got an old school clipboard. I don't know. Maybe to cool. donate, you just like <laughs> like push a button in, in your <laughs> temple and it's like 10 bucks. Well, the equivalent of 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. Whatever. 10 billion credits. <laughs> I don't know. Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> She's addressing all of the young optimates. And she says, for those of you fresh in from Mars, prepare yourselves. Good democracy on Luna is not like that of Aegea. Here, good democracy is a knife fight. No vote is set in stone. No word eternal. What we gain, we must fight to the bone to keep. The Vox will use every tactic at their disposal. Daxo has given you your assignments. He alone channels my will. Now go forth and get those votes. (laughs) Also, he wants to channel something else. No, we disagree on that. (laughs) No, Darrow is... (laughs) Away and <laughs> and Mustang and Daxo are his friends and they would never do anything. 
you'd be a bad friend if if you were Darrow's friend and he was at war and Mustang was hanging out, being the smartest girl in the galaxy. I would be a bad friend. (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) Just saying you're clearly on Dax's side, whatever that means. No, I'm just saying he's in love with her. That's it. Okay, Um, brotherly love. So that is the political situation on Luna. We've got this big vote coming. Mustang's like gathering her peeps together. We've got the Vox Populi scheming, gathering their peeps for this monumental vote to see if Mustang can get these war powers that she needs. And then uh, our next couple quotes are from Mars, where there's a little bit different uh, political scenario going on. Safi's really thrown a wrench in all of Mustang's plans, by the way, by leaving and collecting all of the obsidians. And we see from what Pax is about to say, not everything is going well right. in Sefi's new political game that she's playing. Yeah, so Pax already kind of knows what's up. Ephraim is hanging out, watching all of this, and he's still trying to figure out exactly like what the Obsidians are up to here on Mars. But Pax is already trying to appeal to Sefi and make her remember kind of like... He's like hardcore guilt trip. Yeah, it's a real, <laughs> real guilt trip. That's From probably like a the best way to put it down. Yeah, he says, "I am the son of the Morning Star, the flesh and blood of the man who broke your chains. Yet you hold Electra and me as insurance, and to bargain for ships and information. So I look upon you with my father's eyes to ask, what do your old ways say of honor? Damn, that's so hardcore, especially like calling out like." The queen. Yeah, the queen of the obsidians in front of all the obsidians. But Ephraim points out that he can tell that the men, especially the obsidian men, like do not think that they should have left the fight. Yeah, and especially Valdir, like, and he's kind of the leader of that group. Well, they're they're all about honor, especially honor in war. Mm-hmm. And Pax is like throwing it right in their faces, right in Sefi's face. They believe kind of what Pax is saying there. Like they owe honor to Darrow for like what he did to him and he is Dear Morga. Dear Morga. <laughs> Ephraim goes on to say when he's kind of bargaining with Sefi he says, you're breaking with the Republic. That's what you mean by all tribe. And then Sefi says, and this is foreshadowing. <laughs> interesting. Very interesting quote here. Sefi says about herself. No. She says, <laughs> when a limb is sick, it is cut away to save the body. The Republic rots from inside with weakness like you before we cured you. My people must prosper. This is the burden set upon me. To prosper, we must become one tribe. So I will found a kingdom for my people, for all obsidians. Yeah, there's a lot going on here. So it's kind of like ironic that she's saying this where she is rotting from the inside at the same time. That's what I meant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But then we get a good, like this is where it lays down kind of exactly what the obsidians are up to, what Sefi's up to. Um, she's breaking away. She's like slowly shipping obsidians off to Mars, bringing them in kind of secretly, taking legions away every once in a while, bringing in um, ships, bringing in supplies. And then she's also bringing in other colors to teach them basically how to be self-sufficient. Right. Yeah. Really she cool. has a whole operation. Yeah. And then Xenophon, they're kind of running all the um, administrative yeah. tasks. Yeah. And they are being a little advisor 
for Sefi kind of working the political angles for her. Machinations? Yeah. <laughs> they are doing some machinations. Uh, they're machinating? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Ephraim 2 um, is really playing as many angles as he can at this point. He's pretty powerless, but he s- is still bargaining with Sefi, who's like in charge of whether he lives or dies, right. which is pretty badass. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm going to need more money. Definitely going to need Volga. And uh, he gets pretty much what he wants, except for his freedom. It's also kind of funny to think that we learn later on that Mustang knows all about this. Like, you uh, think well, that Sefi's doing... To. I know, but she thinks you think that Sefi's kind of doing this stuff in secret. And at least it seems like Sefi thinks she's doing it kind of secretly. But you can't bring that many obsidians and other colors right. all to Mars and not have, like, somebody be a spy. Well, it doesn't seem like anybody also, knows except for Mustang. But she's also taking them, like, from Luna. Right, right. Like, you know, I'm just... It's pretty obvious. Yeah, Mustang does say that at one point. She's like, did she not think I would notice? Like, come on. Right, like, where did all the obsidians go? <laughs> huh, I wonder where Sefi is. I bet she knows. So, anyways, those are our uh, maneuvering politicos here. Political machinations. Let's keep saying it. So... <laughs> Ben, who ended up dying today? Yeah, that takes us to our next segment. Who died today? Only one, I guess, thing died today, and it was just Ephraim's leg. Ephraim's leg died? (laughs) He lost his right leg, I think. But he got a better one. He did. He got like a super-powered leg. That like missile punches him off the wall and stuff. I, You know, losing your leg by getting it sawed off sounds pretty horrible. But isn't it great that he wakes up with a way better leg? It's kind of like that Rick and Morty episode where he has the huge left yeah. arm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like too powerful. It's all veiny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we love Rick and Morty. <laughs> so yeah, this is probably our only week where no one dies. <laughs> it's, I think it's going to be few and far between. Right. <laughs> yeah. So everyone enjoy enjoy the non-death week. <laughs> I can tell you in the next couple of pots, it's probably going to change. Probably uh, <laughs> people are going to lose their heads, maybe. Yep. You know, play I some don't games know. of volleyball. Um, oh, God. Now that we know who died, let's move on to the Prime Five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Yes, sir. Okay, let's talk about Daxo. Sure, the bald guy with the eagles on his head. <laughs> the uh, Dictaeon Antron. That's his like fish guy. His floating ball sack in the oh, sky. Oh, his floating ball sack. Yeah, I love it. So I, I did a little and bit. I of love how Mustang like <laughs> thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is of course like his little floating. I don't know. It's like his home base basically, and he just has it floating above a lake. And it yeah. looks like a big ball sack. And it's supposed to be like show his seat of power, basically. Right. Uh, so I did a little bit of light internet research. Just decided to Google Dictaeon Antron to see what that was. Was it a ball sack? It's not a ball sack. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's actually the, it's one of the kind of mythic birthplaces of Zeus. Ha-ha. It's like a cave. You that can go visit good. it in Greece if you want to. 
I'll do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. It's called Psycho Cave. That's kind of cool. It's kind of a cool connection where. So um, is Daxo our little baby Zeus? I think he's he definitely wants to think of himself that way, probably. Maybe a little bit more like Hercules. So this, uh, the Wikipedia entry for Dictaeon Cave. It's famous in Greek mythology as the place where Amalthea nurtured the infant Zeus with her goat's milk. So Was she a goat? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> her goat's milk? We can just go down a Greek myth. Uh, she seems like a lady, but she must, you know. She's probably a also goddess. Also be a goat. <laughs> I thought you meant but she might be a god. No, she's a goat. That's it. That's where we get our god. She's sometimes from. represented as the goat who nurtured the infant. I don't know. Whatever. She's a goat. The greatest of all time? <laughs> no, in this situation she's a real a real live goat, but also a person. You know, okay. We'll, we'll get off of it. That was just Yeah, a, good podcasting is where you start it with <laughs> The Wikipedia <laughs> entry. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. Also, we wanted to talk about... We've talked about this in our Dark Age recap mm-hmm. uh, episode. But Ben thinks that Daxo has romantic feelings for Mustang. It's but not really in these chapters, but we'll get more into it later yeah. on. Yeah. But I my, my whole opinion is that Daxo probably doesn't have romantic feelings for anyone just based on Mustang's description of his personality. Right. He's very analytical. He's a lot like the Jackal Mm -hmm. and he's only for the Republic because he's competitive and, you know, had to pick his family side, but now he wants to win. He doesn't actually care about low colors anyways. So I think that yes, he would as it it would make logical sense to him, I think, to love Mustang. So if he does, that's it's not like a real passionate love. It's mm. like a this, you know, we are well matched intellectually, and mm-hmm. uh, we're both awesome gold bloodlines, and we would make huge children. Yeah, you get you're coming from like a much more logical angle, which seems like seems more Daxo to Daxo, me. Yeah, I think that makes sense, but. I think we will see later on before volleyball head the passion <laughs> from Mr. Daxa. <laughs> or maybe it's the passion to not get fucking his head chopped off. Hey, he's already saved her life once. Well, that was logical. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> from drowning. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my feelings. Does anyone else? Who who do you think? Maybe we'll have to throw a poll up on Instagram. Yeah. On that. Does anyone think Daxo's like in love with Mustang or? I, I do because he is. For me, I feel like they're like brother and sister. That's how I see it, which is why I think it's weird that you think they're in love. I mean, they grew up as brother and sister, just like she grew up with Pax as her brother. No, she was not. She said she was like never really connected with Daxo. Yeah, because he was a fucking younger. alien, like her real brother. But making puzzles and being all creepy in the corner with his ball. I just head. think there's a reason that my guy's still single and it's because he's in love with Mustang. I think it's because he's not interested in wasting his intellectual prowess on romance. That's a decent argument. It's the correct one. 
<laughs> Aren't I fun to argue with? I hate that I'm smarter than everyone and nobody listens to me. That's my Mustang impression. Speaking of smart ladies, uh, the next Prime 5 is about uh, Mustang speech. Mm. And Dancer even ends up commenting on it. But part of her speech is from Winston Churchill's Finest Hour speech. Yes, I did based some on it. more light Googling for this according scenario. I was doing the, a lot of Googling. According to the dictionary, <laughs> Winston Churchill's from <laughs> England. <laughs> That's in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> that was my impression of you. Um, no, so there's actually a few different speeches out. Like the Finest Hour speech is definitely part of it. There's nothing that's like... It's it's kind of a mixture of a lot of different ones. So um, a lot of Winston speeches. Yes. Yeah, so his never despair speech, which was like I think his last speech to Parliament, um, the finest hour speech, and then also kind of the we shall never surrender, and then the few is another one of his famous speeches. So it's kind of elements of all of those speeches in her speech. Which is, it was just kind of interesting. If you want to look that up and read those speeches, I did, and they're really good. They are good. You know, if you watch the show The Crown, you can, you know, watch some. Oh, really? Watch some Winston in action. Huh. The only one that I knew was um, the one that's in Dunkirk. That too. Yeah. They're in a lot of of movies and shows. Yeah, he's pretty famous. Yeah, he's like... (laughs) (laughs) he's like that badass guy in the corner with a cigar all the time right if you're looking for some more context for mustang speeches go look that up check those speeches out good job pierce for knowing history and shit guys he knows a lot about history he knows a lot more than i do (laughs) i can tell you that much (laughs) i did not do well in history class Our next item on the Prime 5 list is about Osgard, our spirit-bearing, loving, obsidian shaman friend who sounds like a, a hoot to hang out with. And also a liability. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> kind of a squirrely little guy. <laughs> Big guy, I mean. You know that friend when you're like out at the bars <laughs> and you're just watching them and you're like, yeah, they're going to disappear and we're going to have to call the cops because <laughs> they're they're high on spirit berries. Yeah. Uh, so there's an interesting quote from Osgard. He's talking to Ephraim. This is when Ephraim doesn't even know who he is yet at this point. Who um, Osgard is. Yeah. He's just woken up. Ephraim also doesn't know who he is. <laughs> he hasn't found himself. <laughs> he's trying. So Ephraim knows he's at Eagle's Nest, which is the seat of House Bologna. Um, He says to, he's like saying some weird shit to Ephraim at this point. And then he kind of looks around the room that they're in and he says, I see his fate. A young Eagle's Nest was this. To plume his feathers, he went away and met the man around whom all fray. Darrow. Now he lies in memory's cavern, head a blossom, heart judged by Saturn, on a cold stone floor. He found an early autumn. So there's a couple ways to look at this quote. First is it's kind of a fake out quote because um, at this point in the book, we still don't know if Cassius is alive or dead. 
So this is Osgard saying that he's seen Cassius's fate and he is dead. So for the reader, it's kind of like, whoa, is Cassius maybe dead? Show me the body. Well, it's also like, can we trust Osgard? And later on, we find out that Osgard's just a big fat fraud. He's pretty much making all this up. So this, now that we have the context of the full book, this should be a clue right here that Osgard's just full of shit. He probably just heard that Cassius died out on the rim. And he's just trying to say that now. As uh, a prophecy. As a prophecy thing. So he looks like he knows what he's talking about. He does make some pretty compelling predictions, though. So even though he is full of shit, he's still good at, like, guessing what's going to happen. <laughs> like any good psychic medium. Yeah, they get but right he's, every he's once really in a He's really good while. at, like, reading people, too, I think. Yeah. Like, he's like, yo, Ephraim, your fate isn't out the window. Like, before Ephraim even is going towards the window. Well, that's what these people, these types of people are good at, though. They, like... They're good, good at guessing. At, good at reading the room, good at taking educated guesses, that type of thing. So, like, he got himself to this place by doing that. And the Cassius thing, I doubt he ever thought anyone would prove him wrong. For sure. You yeah. know? <laughs> so, so it's just kind of an interesting little quote from Osgard there and just one of the signs that maybe we shouldn't be taking everything he says at face value. Probably not. Yep. Let's let's not do that. He's crazy. <laughs> but he would be a fun uncle. Oh yeah. I would love to hang, you know, yeah. just for like a night. Like wouldn't you be fun like at the like Christmas dinner table just making a ruckus? Yeah. Although I'm a little weirded out about that story of him like running into battle with a boner. That's a little weird for me. I don't remember that. You don't remember that part? Don't they all all the shamans? Yeah, that's like a sh what shaman do. Oh, that's cool. They scare him with their dicks. <laughs> For me, it weirds me out. It's but a little aggressive. That's the point, Ben. <laughs> you, if you were on the other side of that, you would lose that battle. That's true. <laughs> they, they probably have the armor where their dicks pop out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Wouldn't you be worried, though, for your package if it's just, it just like seems out very, and about? Yeah, very impractical. What if someone cuts you <laughs> down there? Everybody's using like sharp objects, too. Like there's a lot of sharp objects around. Yeah, I would, I would not uh, want to And just that like debris, happen. you know? Debris. Like <laughs> <laughs> flying debris, that type of thing. What about like bugs? <laughs> yeah, you could get a mosquito bite. Or worse, because it's... <laughs> Yeah, like some space mosquito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's in space, Morty. <laughs> so next up, uh, Prime 5. Dude, Ephraim is pulling some super cool Tom Cruise style, <laughs> pulling his own stunts. But they're very much like Tom Cruise. They seem very accidental. And like yeah. he keeps flailing and almost dying. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, which Mission Impossible is it where he's like on the side of the building with the suction cups trying to jump into the other? I think it's four. The curtain wall. Yeah. Window. Ghost protocol. That's kind of what this reminds yeah. me of. And he's just like flailing, almost dying, and just <laughs> yeah. like happens to get in the window. Yeah. This is what's going on with Ephraim. <laughs> so, you know, he's climbing out the window onto some vines. It's a nice callback to when we first meet him, the heist that he's doing. That's very James Bond. Yeah. 
Wow. Or Mission Impossible. Yeah, it's Mission Impossible, Ocean's Eleven. Yes, yes. Yep. Burn, 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 <laughs> Sad boy. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, does like some sick ass like Tarzan swinging through the air with a backflip, dismount. Stick it. Stick the landing. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I don't write books. That's all. That's all that would say for that whole thing. <laughs> Stick it. But then the best line, which Ben already mentioned when we we're rereading the chapters, but he gets caught. Obviously, God Eater like swoops in riderless and slams down in front of him. Here comes Valdir with his. Shiny white hair. Yeah. And Ephraim's like, this isn't where parked my <laughs> ship. He's like, you know, it's big, shiny, really good thrusters. <laughs> just perfectly Ephraim in that moment. Yeah. He's just always hilarious. And um, kudos to Valdir for not laughing. Because even if I was a badass warrior, I'd be like, this guy's great. <laughs> he just that. did a fucking backflip in the air <laughs> yeah. almost to his death. He's climbed out of a window, used vines to like climb down some cliffs. He's on a snowy cliffside. And his hands are bloodied. In a and pink scraped. robe or something like that. Well, he had slippers. Pink slippers. And then and he like bounced off a column at one point and <laughs> legit almost died like five times. It was great. Faced with a huge griffin and the most terrifying obsidian left in the solar system, pretty much. Other than probably Sefi herself and now also probably Volsung Fa, but... Uh, Definitely Volsum Fox. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, like a top three terrifying obsidian. And he's just like, this isn't where I parked my ship. <laughs> I just love the deadpan. It's great. Good job, <laughs> Ephraim. Also, really cool new leg. Yeah. So happy to have you back. For a short while. Gosh, let's not talk about it yet. Good thing he didn't die again. I don't think I'm still not recognizing his death. That takes us to the last item on the Prime 5 list. Let's talk about Pax some more. Dude, he, he's he got a little Adrius in him. He does. It's in his blood. That's his uncle. Don't forget. Mm -hmm. But when he's like dressing down Sefi in front of everyone with that cold like calculation. It's a great speech. It's a great speech. But the creepiest part about it is the way he fights beforehand. Yeah. He just like tricks everyone and basically slaps them all in the face for being dumb. Yeah. And how Ephraim describes that as like clinical. Yeah. And cold. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's where that's I like see your kind of Jack Lee traits. <laughs> Grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Grandpa and uncle. This would also be the sequence where people are thinking that Pax might have the mind's eye. Right. Because. When he um, is fighting those obsidian boys, he does so with um, his eyes closed. And they describe it as like a sleepiness, like moving through water. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how it's described when Lysander fights uh, blind. Like it's very, I think of it as. It's like a flow state. What's Tai Chi? Tai Chi, yeah. Do you like how I'm doing Tai Chi right now? <laughs> 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 you look like you're doing hula dancing, honestly. <laughs> I wasn't shaking anything. <laughs> this is where we first thought 
oh, maybe Pax has a little bit of that mind's eye going on. This would definitely be the first kind of moment where that would be a possibility, I think. And that's, I think, what people are mostly latching on to. And it's a, it's a good guess, I, I feel like. It's an interesting um, question. And it's so creepy. He stabs the obsidian in the neck, and he's like, it's two centimeters from your carotid artery. Yeah, this is a 10-year-old boy. It's so weird. And he's very polite. <laughs> you shouldn't move or you will die. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. And then, you know, I love Electra. She's just, like, Pack storms off, and she, like, chases after him. She's like, oh, yeah, I want to Steve. Even though she just, like, kicks everyone's ass. Yeah. She I fits in well with the obsidians. I, I loved um, Ephraim's description of her fighting it was like he said it's if you flicked a needle into like a rubber room it's like bouncing around yeah (laughs) oh that was great description um okay that's this week's prime five that takes us to the primus of the week where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest our primus of the week is Ephraim. This is I think Evram's going to just win every week. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> we don't play favorites here at Hallerpod. <laughs> nope, not us. Never. But it's because, A, he survived. Aaron thought he was dead the entire time. He should have been dead. His <laughs> fucking leg was crushed and he was bleeding everywhere and his bones were sticking out. Come on. Really, Ephraim? <laughs> Anyways, he survived. He got a new job. Yep, got a new job. For Seffy. LinkedIn worked for him this time. (laughs) And uh, he's getting Volga back. And he's also also getting Lyria. Getting Lyria. You know, does he want Lyria? We don't know. But he's getting two ladies, Mm -hmm. his friends, soon to be, and money. He's getting money. And a ship, right? He's just getting whatever he wants except for autonomy and freedom. (laughs) But, like, you know. (laughs) Otherwise, he won the week. He's working to it. He also like called Sefi out for like ditching the Republic, and he, uh, we can see in his in inner monologue that he understands the um, tumultuous hold that Sefi has on power, the shaky mm-hmm. hold that Sefi has um, over her obsidians, especially the men, the mm-hmm. male obsidians. Mm-hmm. So. He's definitely going to use that to his advantage. And then, obviously, the acrobatics yeah, and the has, jokes. Mostly the, the jokes. It's all, it's all about the jokes, let's be honest. And he's not a sad boy right now because he's, uh, he's too close to death to be sad for too long. Yeah, he's kind of shed some sad boy. I think it's no longer taking the Zolodone. It's funny. We should have p- thrown that on there. He kicked his Zolodone habit, too. Not by choice. This is like a really, <laughs> really high tech rehab yeah. where like they give you new legs <laughs> and like, you know, you get to fight and train. He's basically in a halfway house. He can't leave, but he's also got employment. And he's got like the buzzer on his ankle, but it's just in his heart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's his little rehab <laughs> in the mountains. Sounds like a great place to be. Right. So good job, Ephraim. We hope that you win again. Congratulations. All right. That takes us to our next segment, which is the Howler voicemail. Don't forget to call in and leave us your thoughts, your questions, your musings. 
feelings. Do you remember the phone number? I don't. One eight hundred five one six one five four zero. And like we've said, we won't answer. It goes straight to a voicemail. So don't worry if you're drunk. We won't hear it until the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but also make sure to say your name. Yeah, say your name. <laughs> Identify yourself, Howler. Hey, Howler Pod. Uh, this is James. Um, big, big fan of you guys. I've been following you guys the past few months. have been reading, revising for almost two years now. Um, we appreciate you guys doing this. Uh, I guess I want to say is um, I commented this on uh, Pierce Murphy's IG page, and he actually responded. I said, uh, who would win in a... Um, in a battle royale between Diomedes, Cassius, Daro, and Aja Grimace. And uh, he responded with Lauren. Just want to know what you guys would think about that. Um, he basically said there that Lauren was the strongest person, even though I didn't mention him. But we got to think about that. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, have a good one. Thanks, James. Thank you, James. Uh, yeah, so the question was Battle Royale, Daro, Aja, Cassius, Diomedes. Yes, and Pierce Brown com- commented Lorne. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> uh, he's going to come back from the dead and win every battle. I would say, I mean, Pierce is obviously the all-knowing one, so that, that's probably right. But you can't pick Lorne because he wasn't one of the options, and right. we don't hold Pierce power. So who would you choose, Ben? <sighs> this is going to hurt my and heart. These, they're not teamed up, right? It's not yeah. like Darrow and Aja. It's, it's all separate. Yeah. Mono e mono e mono. You woman know. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Let's say in this battle, they're all at their prime mm-hmm. because obviously Diomedes has an advantage here because he's younger and more alive. <laughs> but he's not as hardened as someone like Darrow at this point. Well, so I'm just that's kind of all playing into it. But we can say they're all at their prime. Yes, I would agree. Okay. Prime. Prime, prime. Hmm. You know what? I'm going to say Aja. That's probably a pretty good choice. Because it took like five people to take her down, including Darrow and Cassius. Right. And they weren't at their prime. They were wearing like slippers and, you know, jammies. (laughs) But (laughs) still, she was also caught off guard. Yeah. And she was like 60. Uh, I think that's probably right. But my heart, my heart. <laughs> Did you just stutter? <laughs> but but Cassius. I also I know you have a crush on Diomedes. My too. heart wants me to pick Cassius. My brain is telling me to pick Diomedes. You have a crush on the three like best male fighters. Not best male fight. You don't have a crush on Darrow, but these are like the most um, like trained swordsmen of their group yeah i like a guy that works hard and is honorable (laughs) you basically (laughs) 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 anyway so you're you're not gonna go with aja i like like the tortured honorable genius type tortured hero type yeah that they've all got going on yeah you you like the han solo yeah the rogues the rogues Mm-hmm. Okay, so you picked two, so pick one of those. I'm going to final answer, you guys, Diomedes. Okay. Yeah. Did James say his answer? He did not. 
Okay, James, what's your answer? Yeah, you got to call back now. Call back. (laughs) 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 And then we have another voicemail. This is from our friend Stitches and Sparkles. Who does the cosplay. Amazing cosplay. Gorgeous Mustang. Yeah. Really, the scars are getting better and better. I love this new one that she posted. Oh, yeah. Have you seen her Star Wars cosplay? No. It's dope as shit. She did Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka is great. I don't know what that means. She's an animated character, but like boss Star Wars character. Like one of the most, one of the best Star Wars characters ever. Is this canon? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, And then she also did, she did like a Twi'lek, which is like the ones with the big long tentacles on the back of their heads. She did that too with like paper mache or something. It's it's really cool. Damn. Yeah. I hope it doesn't rain. Let me play this one. Earn wanted drunk howler voicemail. So here you go. I'm Stitches and Sparkles on Instagram. I cosplay as Mustang, and I love you guys. Have a great night. Oh. Love you, too. We love you, too. Also, can you just dress me up? <laughs> yeah. that'd, be, that'd be chill, right? <laughs> You're not too far away. You're one state over. You want to borrow her? I don't want to borrow it. I want her to, like, dress me up. and I can't make do the makeup and the scar like that. That's I need like a, a whole thing. <laughs> I need it. You know, the shows with the makeovers. Yeah. And you come out and you and you go to like an event and all your friends are like, oh, my God, you look amazing. Like, that's what I want. You want the Mustang makeover. But, yeah. Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Thanks for calling in drunk. Finally, I've been like begging for it. Although you didn't embarrass yourself, I'm ready for an embarrassing one. Yeah, that was pretty that was pretty tame. Okay. Uh, now we're going to move on to Howler Q&A. And this was actually just an email that we got in that uh, I thought was pretty fun. Um, so a couple pods ago, we had Dini, our meme lord himself, call in and ask what podcast we would want our Red Rising characters to host and what would it be called. And so we got an email in from one of our listeners, Gina Marie Bennett, and she had a great idea for a podcast. She said, I want a podcast by Apollonius talking about himself as read by TGR. It would be called Stories of Wrath. I would totally listen to that. <laughs> and he'd speak in a Venusian <laughs> accent, whatever that sounds like, the do whole time. you think that he would do like live streaming of himself in the nude reading the podcast? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely watch that. Oh, there would be like 14 (laughs) hours of just violin (laughs) intro. And then he would talk about himself and his battles. I think that's a great idea. I like that one. Yeah. If you guys have. Gina Marie Bennett and I are on the same page. If you guys have an idea for a podcast, you can email us at howlerpod at gmail.com or go to howlerpod.com and fill out a submission form. Do it. All right, uh, you know what's next? What are we into this week? I'm going to clear out. I'm going to open it up. <laughs> Aaron, take take the floor. <laughs> I just think everyone already knows. <laughs> so I even waited a whole episode to talk about this. but She's been dying. I'm into The Witcher. <laughs> Moreover, I'm into Henry Cavill. And, and his chest hair, I think. 
Well, no, my coworker Nicole is into his chest hair. Uh, okay. I I agree with her, but that was not. I did not bring that up. <laughs> and you know the meme that's like, I think Fake Rate even posted it, but like your brain at night and you're like, go to bed, and it's like. Toss a coin to your witcher, <laughs> a valley of plenty. Oh. That was me for like two weeks straight. And I'm like losing my mind. Like, stop it. Like, I'm so sick of that song. Otherwise, though, I love everything about the show. I won't say any spoilers. But basically, Henry is jacked. And there's a lot of shirtless scenes. Tons of boobs. <laughs> Not his boobs. Man and Well, woman. there's there is his boobs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some sex, but most importantly, I think they have great CGI. I love the fighting scenes. The first scene, I won't say it, but when he fights, like, it's fucking badass. He's moving so fast. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, Henry can sword fight. <laughs> yeah. He would definitely beat Aja. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really cool fights. And he's got, like, magical powers, and yeah. she doesn't got that shit. Aja. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, he kind of has, like, the force. Well, when he drinks his potions. Yeah. You've played the game, right? No. Oh, you haven't? <laughs> um, It's very violent, but... I can... I mean, from the show, it seems like it would be. Anyways, it's a great show. Everyone should watch it. I binge-watched it, which is probably why the song was stuck in my head forever. But um, also, follow Henry on Instagram, because mm-hmm. he is a Chiefs fan. Yeah, noted Chiefs fan, Henry Cavill. And love you. We are Chiefs fans. <laughs> and that's a football team. <laughs> American football. And um also he's hot. <laughs> 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 Most importantly. By the way, Ben and I have been Instagramming each other back and forth, just like photos of Henry. And Ben is just as creepy in love as I am. That's true. That's true. He's got a great dog, too. It's like a big Malamut or something. Malamut? Malamut? Yeah. Is that how you say it? It's huge. Well, he's a big guy. He needs a big dog. It's a pretty cool-looking dog. Yeah. Anyway, I would second Aaron's opinion about The Witcher. It's a really cool show. Not sure I know what was going on a lot of the time, but I don't (laughs) think that was really the point (laughs) of the show. This isn't a spoiler. I promise. It kind of helps you understand. This is the something show a you need better. to know. <laughs> yeah. So before I watched one episode, Ben warned me that there's flashbacks and flash forwards. Yeah, it's kind of multiple timelines. So uh, if I hadn't known that, I would have been confused because they don't tell you. They don't like spoon feed it to you. Yeah. But it's good to just kind of know and like, you know, don't be married to one timeline. Yeah, it took me like three or four episodes to realize there's like multiple timelines going on. But yeah. great action, really cool, interesting sword fighting choreography. It's like different than what you kind of see normally. It's amazing. Um, it was great. I was super impressed. Very stylized, but let's keep but talking really cool. about it. Hey, they're nerds. They're into it. Also, you know, I like a guy with white hair. I might be moving towards having a crush on an obsidian. Wow, Valdir. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying like (laughs) i'm into it (laughs) ben what are you into this week besides henry's app (laughs) i am into a movie called the farewell really good little movie we'll try and do no spoilers but 
great performances. It's basically about a Chinese family where um, the main character like lives in America and then her family, like most of her extended family lives in China and then their grandma gets like sick with cancer and the premise of the movie, this isn't a spoiler, is that the family decides to not tell her that she's basically going to die in three months of cancer. Because she's in her, because she would have to come back from America? No. Uh, so the grandma lives in China. She has cancer and is about to die. And then the rest of the family, like, as it makes a choice. Not to tell the grandma. Not to tell the grandma. Is this an older movie? I feel like I've heard of that. It just came out this year. Oh, okay. And so it's a kind of, it's, it's about the girl that lives in America and, like, her, she goes back to China to visit her family. And it's just like, that was, very was this emotional. a podcast? Uh, it this was is a real based story. Based on This American Life okay. podcast. Yeah. I was like, I've already yeah. heard this story. They turned it into a movie. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, and so. And then, of like course, I was thinking, obviously, another family could have done that same thing. Right. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, but, yeah, it was really cool. It's, like, great, great performances. The grandma is amazing. Um, she's, like, a Chinese actress. And then Aquafina, do you know who she is? Uh-huh. She's the girl from that lives in America that goes back to China. And she's, like, trying to deal with all this. She doesn't understand why their family doesn't want to tell, tell her. her. Yeah. And it's, like, um, very interesting... Uh, to see like the different philosophies, like the Western philosophy versus the Eastern philosophy and how kind of how that plays into their family. And then um, it's very funny. It's actually like very uplifting, but there's like a good emotional release too. It's, it's just a really great movie filled with awesome performances. So definitely check it out. We'll tell you that it does have subtitles. Like, I mean, probably, like, I don't know, 75% of the movies in Chinese, but cool. it's it's not bad at all. I'll check it out. That's the farewell movie, and Tesla going to your witcher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, they're like, damn it, Aaron, I got it out of my head. <laughs> no, fuck. Uh, I'm gonna be walking out of here today, like to my car now, and be singing that. I had to eventually. I kept fighting it. I had to eventually be like, yeah, I want to sing this song. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, brain. <laughs> yeah. This is what I choose to sing while I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So have fun tonight, everyone. What are we doing next week on HowlerPod? Next week, we are continuing with part two, and we're reading chapter 25 through chapter 30. Does something happen in chapter 30? No, something happens in chapter 31. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm honestly, so I've been like fine reading up to now, but now I'm starting to get those feelings that I had last time I read Dark Age. Where I'm like, don't want to read it anymore because I I know everyone's gonna die. <laughs> a lot of dread <laughs> associated with these next. I just few don't want to be in pain pods. anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, don't forget Howlers. Follow us on the Meads at HowlerPod, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Check out our merch on Etsy. Email us HowlerPod at gmail.com. Send us questions and thoughts and feelings. Uh, leave us a voicemail at 1-800-516-1540. And uh, you can find all these links and the phone number on our website, hollerpod.com. Tell a friend about the books and about the podcast. And don't forget, rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will shoot you in the chest with 
What's that webbing called? Attack net. Attack net. Tie you to God Eater and then not wrangle her in <laughs> and she'll just fly you away and you'll never be seen <laughs> again. So I five would just stars. rather give out a five star review. That sounds easier than having God Eater, <laughs> you know, eat you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Allers. Omnis Vir Lupus. Ow. Ow.